0: welcome to the brave church podcast thanks for listening in today regardless of what you believe where you come from or what questions you might have you are welcome here we are a multi-site church based in the bay area and online you can find more information by going to brave.church now thanks for joining us we hope this talk helps you find and follow jesus Welcome to Brave, everyone. We're on the countdown to Christmas, an amazing month of activities and events around Brave Church. Does your family make lists of what they want for Christmas? My mom still asks me to make a Christmas list, and I'm 60. Do you remember what it was like the first time you wrote a letter to Santa as a child? Some adults still write to Santa, like the one who wrote, Dear Santa, this year, please give me a big Fat bank account and a skinny body and please don't mix those two up like you did last year christmas time is the season of miracles miracles happen this time of year you know over the years i've learned to name my miracles so that i can remember them and be grateful Each one of these has a miracle story behind them. The miracle on G Street, the FedEx miracle, the Applebee's miracle, the Shriner's miracle, Isaac's miracle, groceries on our front porch miracle, the miracle of memory. True story. I was in the Sacramento airport and I was headed to Burbank as I heard an announcement come over the airport PA. If you were just on flight 1862, which I was, You left your book on the plane entitled, How to Improve Your Memory. Please return to gate A14 to pick up your book because you forgot it. Miracles are a fascinating subject because the truth is, we could all use a miracle or two, whether it's related to our family, our career, our health. In life, stuff happens and challenges come our way. And how we face those challenges says a lot about our faith. Some of you know exactly what kind of miracle you need. For others of you, nothing immediately comes to mind. But no matter who you are, in your family, at work, or in our community, we could all use some help. In fact, some of us are thinking, hey, God, can I get a little help down here? Have you ever wondered how does someone receive a miracle and why them? Is there like a master class on how to get a miracle? After all, there are classes for everything else in life. Home Depot offers classes on how to install a thermostat, how to paint a wall, how to make a lighted holiday sign, and a real class on how to remove a doorknob from your home, even if the doorknob lives with you. (laughs) The Apple Store offers classes on how to do more than call people with your iPhone. Kaiser offers classes on pregnancy, uh, weight Management for the Holidays, How to Have a Healthy Spine, Alcohol, Drugs, and Parenting, and Parents Who Feel Like Taking Drugs. There's a class on just about any subject you can think of. So why not one on miracles? Today, I want to teach you about the five phases of a miracle. And then later tonight, I'll be turning water into wine. Just kidding. Let's start by reading a familiar story about a young woman named Mary who had an unusual encounter with an angel, followed by an opportunity to believe for a miracle. It is perhaps the single most significant miracle story in world history. Can you imagine being told you're the very first virgin birth and your child will be the savior of the world? That's a bit to take in. I know all mothers believe their child is a world changer, but in this case, Mary's was. Let's pick up on the miracle story in Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. I want to share with you five phases of a miracle. Each phase is one word. Are you ready? Phase one is promise. Every miracle starts with a promise. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. One of the most well-known stories of a nation receiving a promise was the people of God's journey into the promised land. God said, I promise you this land. It's your land, your promise. But you still have to occupy the land and possess your promise. My wife and I, we love Hallmark movies, and up until this year, there were only two plots to any Hallmark movie. They all opened with an aerial drone shot of like New York City and some happy soundtrack music from the 60s, and then the panoramic shot would then zoom down onto a busy crowded street where the star of the movie is walking up to a food truck for a cup of coffee or into a Skyrise office building, where there we find a super busy man or woman striving to make it in their career, but they're too busy to come home for Christmas. Then something happens, and they must leave their hectic city life to return home to this small town up in the hills somewhere that they left years ago to make it big. And if it's the busy woman plot, she usually gets like a surprise letter from an attorney that says she just inherited her grandma's 6,000 square foot Victorian mansion that's all decorated for Christmas in a small quaint country town nestled at the bottom of some beautiful snow-capped mountains. If it's the plot two option... It's her family farm that's about to go under and her dad just broke his leg or something and there's this drop-dead gorgeous, good-looking hunk of a man that works there but isn't as unsuccessful as he seems. He's secretly wealthy and left Wall Street years ago for a simpler life and now he owns the downtown coffee shop. But either way, she has to go back home to receive her promise and there she finds out that there's some conditions to her promised inheritance. She's planning to get in and get out of town fast, but she finds out she has to stay through the small town's annual Christmas festival just long enough to fall in love with the weirdly handsome guy that was her boyfriend in high school. In other words, the home or the farm is yours. It's been promised to you, but you must come and occupy it. Likewise, God gives us promises, promises that we need to go after to occupy or possess. This is why promised miracles require faith. Faith pleases God because he's teaching us to trust in him, to believe in him. Mary just heard the promise of a miracle virgin birth, but now she begins the long process of learning to wait on God for the promise. Phase one is the promise. Phase two is patience. There always seems to be a delay with God from when we need a miracle and when we receive one. And since by definition a miracle is something only God can do, we must wait for Him. Isaiah 64 verse 4, it says, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for Him. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 says, God has made everything beautiful at its time, that there's a right time for everything. Mary, along with her people, had been waiting a very long time for a miracle. They've been waiting for their Messiah to come and deliver her and her people. If a miracle were a Christmas toy, instead of saying assembly required, it would say waiting required. Mary, Her parents, her grandparents, her great-grandparents, and her entire nation had been waiting on God for their deliverance. From Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, to Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, is over a 400-year period. Most of us can't wait four minutes, 40 minutes, 40 days, let alone 40 years or more. And yet every miracle involves patience, a period of waiting. Jesus waited until his friend Lazarus was dead, until it looked hopeless, and then he raised him from the dead. God anointed David the shepherd to be a king, and then he waited 15 more years before he would sit on the throne. When Moses fled Egypt into the desert, God could have spoken through a burning bush within days. Instead, God waited 40 years, and then Moses received his calling. Joseph could have spent one year in prison. Instead, he spent 10 years there before his promotion finally came. What is the miracle you're hoping for? What are you waiting patiently for? Think about the prayers you've prayed about your family, your career, the life you've always wanted. And while you wait, you may begin to wonder like Mary, is this for real? Am I really pregnant? There were no do-it-yourself pregnancy tests back then. You had to do things the old-fashioned way and wait. Miracles in the making are that way because they're not humanly possible. Mary had to wait to find out if she was pregnant, and then she had to wait another nine months to know for certain if it's a boy or a girl, and even longer to know if he truly is the Messiah. Mary was carrying a miracle within her The womb is a place of waiting where miracles are formed in birth. It's where you wait patiently for what you feel is promised. It's when you call those things which are not as though they were. Romans 14, 17, it says says that God gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Can you see in faith or conceive in your heart what it is that God is about to do? If you can... That's called having eyes of faith. In the NFL, a wide receiver visualizes running routes and then catching the ball over and over again in their hands. That's in their mind's eye. They visualize it before it happens. It is the day in and day out of learning to visualize what you are hoping for. You see faith and patience go together. How well do you handle the waiting rooms of your life? what are you waiting and hoping for? Often during these times we face doubt. Whenever there's a delay that, that comes with our miracle, we may begin to wonder, like Mary who asked in verse 34, how can this be? Despair is another common response when we've been waiting for so long that we feel like giving up. We're, we're tempted to think, will this ever happen? That's when we can start to feel hopeless and become impatient and even take matters into our own hands, which then creates what I call a detour. A detour is when we try to help God out and make it happen in our own strength and human effort. Patience is perhaps the most difficult step in waiting for a miracle. Patience is being content with God's agenda and at peace with God's pace. The five phases for a miracle you need are promise, patience, and one of the most surprising thing about a miracle is phase three, participation. There's a great story in the Bible about a group of men carrying a friend who was paralyzed through their village to a home where Jesus was teaching in hopes that Jesus might heal him. And when they got there, after carrying him all of that way on a mat, the house was full. And people were crowded outside. They couldn't get in because so many other people needed miracles too. Now, lots of people would have stopped there and thought, hey, buddy, we really tried. But these four friends, they didn't. They decided we can do more. We can give more. And so they go up on a roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower their friend down right in front of Jesus and Jesus heals their friend. These four friends saw a miracle happen that day because they were willing to participate in making it happen. They gave, and they gave some more, and they didn't give up. The scripture says, faith without works is dead. It's useless. You see, though miracles require God to act, He most often acts through us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. These four friends had a story to tell for the rest of their lives because they didn't wait for someone else to do what needed to be done. Sometimes we miss out on miracles because we aren't willing to participate. Or we're not willing to do all we could do and go the extra mile for someone. Mary said in verse 38, she said, "'I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled.'" what was Mary saying? She was saying, I'm willing to participate. God, you can use me. I belong to you and everything I have belongs to you. So I will participate. I will do all I can do. Miracles happen because there's a need or a promise and they usually involve some waiting, some patience, and many miracles require our participation. But there's another phase to great miracles, and that is phase four, pain. One football season, I was playing defensive end, and I was having the game of my life. I was flying around, making tackles all over the field, just crushing guys. I was hitting them so hard that blood was all over my jersey. It was like one of those football movies where it's raining, and you see the guy with dirt and grime and blood all over him because he's just a beast. Well, after my seventh tackle that game, the whistle's blown, timeout is called, and the coach waves me off the field. And I run over all proud, like I'm just sure he's going to congratulate me on the best game of my life. Instead, he says, Laws, go see the doctor. You're bleeding everywhere. What? I said, coach said it again, you're bleeding. It was my own blood. What I love about this story, looking back, is that I was so focused on the game that day. I was so locked into the mission that even though I was in pain, I didn't even realize it because the purpose I had was way more exciting to me than the pain I was experiencing. I've seen a lot of people struggle in life because they're far too focused on themselves and their own pain than learning to look for the greater purpose that God has for their lives. You see, many people stop playing. They stop participating and challenging themselves about three plays too soon. And they pull themselves out of the game of life. Why? Because they haven't learned the value of pain. The greats all play through their pain. The biggest wins in life cannot be achieved without pain. Mary was carrying the Son of God inside of her, the Savior of the world, but she still had to go through the pain of giving birth. Moms, can I hear an amen? (laughs) Mary had a promise, but she still had to deliver a baby. She still had to endure what was in front of her. She chose to participate in God's plan to save the world. Some of us can allow pain to shrink our lives, If we look at the life of Jesus, what we'll see is pain reveals value. He suffered pain for the greater value, the greater good. What Jesus went through on the cross was the most excruciating pain imaginable. It was the worst way a human could die. And yet, to this day, it reveals to the world how valuable we are to God, that we were worth the pain He endured. The writer of Hebrews says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He endured the pain with joy for a greater purpose of saving us. To experience miracles in your life, you must be willing to endure pain and hardship for the greater purpose. Study after study has shown that probably the most important characteristic you can teach a child And probably the most important characteristic you'll need in your own life, if you're going to make it in life, are you ready for this? One very important characteristic, it's resilience. Resilience, the ability to bounce back, the ability to keep going. Because nobody goes through life with an unbroken chain of successes. Everybody has failures, flops, and fumbles. We all embarrass ourselves. Nobody goes through life perfect. There's been so many times over my life, I just wanted to give up. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, it says says that we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We're perplexed. The word perplexed here is referring to the times in your life when you're confused and you don't know why this is happening to you. I'm perplexed. Come on, anybody got anything in your life? That has you a little bit confused. You don't know why this is happening. Verse 9, it says, We're perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We're attacked, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up and keep going. Where do you get resilience like that? Spiritual maturity is not having all the answers to life's suffering, it's learning how to live with all the questions and remaining faithful. It's staying soft and humble when the pain of life wants to make you angry and hard. Listen, God never intended our loved ones to die. God never intended a single child to die. God never intended for people to do horrible things to one another. So God made a way that in the end, every wrong in life will be made right. And he's provided a way of escape, a way for us now to hope, to place our hope in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mary was asked to carry a miracle for months before giving birth, and then she was asked to feed and care and raise her boy and then give him back to God. There are mothers here that have experienced the loss of a child, a teenager, or an adult son or daughter. Mothers and fathers here who have outlived their own children, and they know the pain of letting a child go to heaven. Mary experienced this firsthand, the death of those you love the most. Others have not lost a child, but you've carried a dream and a vision in your heart, and life has not gone as you had planned or hoped it would, and you've experienced a different kind of loss and grief. Grief is the price we pay for love. There are five phases to the miracle you need. Promise, patience, participation, pain, and the last phase, number five, is provision. God is the way maker. God sees our need and he meets that need in the wisest and most loving way. And suddenly, when we least expect it, God sends us the miracle we need most. Did you know every time God moves on earth and provides a miracle, it's because somebody like you was desperate and dared to believe? You don't have a miracle without two things, a need for one and someone believing for one. But at the end of the day, miracles are moments of divine intervention that only happen while we wait on God for heaven. What is the miracle you need? Let hope and faith fill your heart in the season of miracles. Where do you need a miracle? Do you need it in your health, your finances, your career, your home, your marriage? You cannot make a miracle happen in your own strength. You cannot earn a miracle. Hard work won't make a miracle happen. Resurrection was God's greatest miracle, and salvation is God's greatest gift. The miracle you need most comes to you by God's grace, through through faith, by you placing your faith and trust in Him. You receive the free gift of eternal life. Your salvation can never be earned or accomplished in your own strength. Faith and grace isn't about hard work. God's grace is undeserved, and the miracle that you need most is wrapped up in the gospel. The gospel is God's invitation to come back home to Him. And Jesus Christ is our way back home. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. The miracle you need most is eternal rest and peace through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me and just right wherever you are, just close your eyes. I'd like to pray with you. And if you would like to, you can make this prayer of salvation your prayer as well. Dear God, thank you for loving me and sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I confess my sins and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the son of God and was raised from the dead. I want to place my trust in you I want to receive what you've done for me and have offered to me. Please forgive me of all my sins and come into my heart today in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you if you prayed that prayer today. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.